All right, welcome everybody. We've got another episode of Lifestyle Medicine. Today we've got Britt Barrett. And Britt, what is your, what's your official title? What do you, what do you go by? Uh, I go by Britt Barrett AHC, which means Ayurveda health coach or counselor. Excellent. It's interchangeable. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. And Britt, so for the people that don't know about Ayurveda and just kind of how you got into it, can you give a little background to your story, what Ayurveda is? I know it's a lot, but yeah, if we can go that sure. route, that'd be great. Sure. So um, I'll, I'll start with everyone where I started, which was I um, after graduating college at Chico State, we went to school together. Yes, that's, um, that's, how, we, that's how we connected. <laughs> um, I, um, I started developing some pretty gnarly um, digestive issues and went to a gastroenterologist finally, and they um, diagnosed me with ulcerative colitis, which for those of you who don't know, um, it's an autoimmune disease where your uh, colon starts kind of attacking itself and, um, and you get ulcers, um, and which creates all kinds of really, um, scary and not fun symptoms. Um, and technically you're not supposed to heal from ulcerative colitis for good. You just go into remission. It's something that you kind of have to deal with the rest of your life. Um, so anyways, I was obviously pretty distraught by that diagnosis. And so I went on a journey, um, researching all different forms of alternative medicine, just for my own healing, um, trying to find ways that I could feel better because, you know, the Western, um, medicine doctors basically said like, you know, you could go on these really heavy drugs that are going to restrict your, um, they're going to suppress your immune immunity. Um, and they can also cause cancer and all kinds of side effects. Um, or steroids, which also have a bunch of side effects, or you, um, but diet doesn't really matter, which is the funniest <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> so um, I was like, that doesn't make sense. Like diet has to, there has to be some. So that was the pitch they gave you? Yeah. That, so they said diet doesn't matter. Yeah, they said diet doesn't matter. You can try wow. avoiding coffee and spicy food. But that's, those are like the only things that we know actually make it an impact. Wow. So how did you, just real quick as a side question there, how did you, did you just instinctively know that that was horseshit? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) I'm really glad that you just said horseshit because that means I can say shit on this podcast. Yes, you can. Yes, you can curse. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I was like, well, this doesn't make sense that this is a digestive issue and yet food has no role because I knew that there were certain things that made me feel worse. Yeah. Yeah. So just by, you know, like you eat a piece of pizza and like things happen in your body versus eating a bowl of chicken soup. Yeah, totally. So, um, so anyways, that's what got me started. Um, I went actually ended up going to Bali for two months by myself when I was 25 to try and find a cure. And, um, I met the the healer from eat, pray, love. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. Yeah, it was like right after that book came out and I was like, this is the woman that's going to heal. I was just right. searching for something to yeah. hold on to, yep. some kind of hope. And um, I did meet her. She was she was very sweet. Um, but I didn't get the healing that I, um, that I was yearning for in Bali. So I kind of yeah. kept on my tr- path and 
um, I ended up one night, I was kind of at the bottom of, I was in really deep depression and just feeling real shit about my life. Since we can use the word shit, I'm just going to say shit all the time yeah. now. <laughs> Have at it. <laughs> and, um, and so I was like at Kaiser in a depression support group and living at home with my parents at, I think I was 25 or 26 at the time. And um, I couldn't really keep like a full-time job because when you have to go to the bathroom 15 times a day, yeah. like you just you yeah. kind of SOL. And then the thing is about colitis too, it's, it's an invisible disease because you look healthy on the outside. Right. So no one knows that you're sick. So you don't really get a whole lot of, right. you know, sympathy or empathy right. Um, right. unless right. you tell people. It's very true. Yeah, it's totally true. So anyways, um, living, I'm in the, I'm in the bottom of the barrel at home with my parents. And, um, I went to this talk at East West bookshop in Mountain View. Mm-hmm. Um, and this woman, beautiful Indian woman named Acharya Shunya. She, at the time she was a Shunya G, but now she has written a book and just goes by Acharya Shunya. Anyways, she is from a long lineage of Ayurvedic practitioners. And, um, the minute I heard her start speaking about Ayurveda and how and how and why it works it just something really clicked for me so I'm going to attempt to to do that for everyone now so sure, that yeah that do it please word yeah um I definitely don't think I'll be able to do it justice in the way that she did but um it's a it's a holistic system of medicine that originated in India over 5,000 years ago and um it it's based on the premise that human beings are a microcosm of the macrocosm of the universe, meaning that everything exists that exists outside of us also exists inside. Um, So similar to Chinese medicine in terms of um, looking at the elements and looking Mm -hmm. at how they impact our bodies and minds. Um, And, So she started talking about some of the really basic principles, like, for instance, if you have a lot of heat in your body and a lot of inflammation and you're eating foods that are heating in nature, like chili peppers or drinking alcohol or Mm -hmm. fermented foods, um, that that can create more of the issue that you don't want because of the, you know, fundamental principle that like increases like and opposites balance and I mean that's just such a simple description of of the many intricacies of Ayurveda that totally rocked my world and made a lot of sense to me well and just as a side note to that that was the exact the exact same thing that happened to me in Chinese medicine school because the Mm -hmm. idea is they're so fundamentally simple but when applied and when you actually sit with it, like a lot of things, right? Like sim- simplicity reigns supreme a lot of times. <laughs> like those simple ideas can be tremendously profound. So I, I can relate fully that, yeah, and they work, right? There's some, there's some, yeah. there's some truth, some very real truth in those dynamics. Okay, so yes. keep, keep going. Yes. So, um, yeah, so I was kind of shocked. Like, why don't they teach us this? <laughs> In elementary school, right, this is like <laughs> we should really be learning how to like eat for our, you know, eat the healthy foods yeah. for our own body types, and not just this one size fits all. Yeah. Like green smoothies are healthy, right? Um, so yeah, so I uh, let's see, 
I kind of got a little sidetracked. Um, so I, I derailed you a little bit with it's my... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just felt like I could like geek out for like yeah, no, please but, do, yeah. Okay. Um, so I ended up really deciding that this woman was going to be my savior. And it wasn't even like a a conscious thought. I just knew Mm -hmm. that I had to see her again. And um, so she invited me to this retreat that she was speaking at called Embrace Your Shakti, which um, I didn't even know what Shakti was. It basically means life force or energy. And um, so I went, I signed up and I ended up carpooling with, I, I drove up to, um, of the Indian doctors who'd be speaking at the event and they ended up, so I had this wonderful retreat experience, Dr. David Frawley. I don't know if you know who he is. He's one of the leaders. I know the, I know the name, but yeah, I'm not familiar. Yeah. So he was speaking and a bunch of other thought leaders and, you know, bringing Ayurveda to the Western world and. And anyway, so I carpooled with these doctors and on the way home, I, and the the funniest part about going to this retreat is that I brought all my own food because I was, That's hilarious. I'm not going to be able to eat anything there. Right. <laughs> so I brought like cold yogurt, which is like the last thing you want to have when you have right. ulcerative colitis right. and like all these raw fruits and yeah, the stuff that'll just wreck like, your stomach. I know best, yeah. you know. And I get there and it's just so like all these people who've been studying Ayurveda for years are just like, oh my God, poor girl. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So yeah, the ego like gets pretty strong when we're trying to heal, you know, and we don't know what to do and we kind of, we think we do. And so anyways, um, had a pretty epic experience. And on the way home from this retreat, I was speaking with one of the doctors and I was crying and I was like, this is just, I'm never going to heal and I don't know what to do. And, um, I will get, probably get a little emotional talking about this moment. Yeah. Yeah. So the man who's sitting next to me, Mahesh G who would eventually become my teacher, which I didn't know at the time, he just looked at me in my eyes and he said, you know, you can heal from this this is not something that you have to have the rest of your life. And, and wow. we can help you. And he's like, if you really want to help here, like get out a pen and a piece of paper and we'll, we'll tell you what to do. Yeah. So I did. And I wrote down, I mean, probably 10 different things of like waking up in the morning and meditating to making kitchari, which is a healing um, stew with green mung beans and basmati rice with healing herbs and spices and ghee and um, um, setting up an altar in my bedroom and, you know, just things that I, you would never expect a doctor to say. Right. And so I really, I was at my, you know, as I mentioned, I was kind of at like my last I'm hanging on by a thread. And so I followed everything very carefully. And within three months, I was like 50% healed. And so I said, okay, there's something to this and ended up signing up for the um, one year self healing course with Shunuji at Vedika Global, which is a small Ayurvedic college based in Emeryville. And, um, and then ended up just nerding out and getting obsessed with the science behind it and yeah. studying two more years, um, to become an Ayurvedic practitioner. So, wow. oh, so I should mention that the, it was, you know, it's 
the first year is all dedicated to self-healing. And then after that, you go into pathology and, you know, common how to heal common diseases um, with herbs and lifestyle and diet. So it's a full, it's a wow. comprehensive. Um, I want to back yeah. backtrack to that statement yeah. real quick. You just said, so did I hear that right? The first part of your program was self-healing? Yes. Wow. So that's, um, that was not prevalent in, that's not prevalent in Chinese medicine schools, which was really frustrating. I think they, it's very Chinese. It's you kind of eat bitter, right? Hold horse stance until your legs fall off. It's that kind of yeah. a, approach, but, uh, that would have been nice because I think people, I think if, I don't want to say if you're smart, but if you were, if you were reasonably minded, I feel like people started to do that kind of when they got to Chinese medicine school, because the first semester you're learning all these uh, theories and philosophies about nature and your body and all these things. And then it's like, well, I should maybe apply these things and see, like, if, see if they can help me, but they don't explicitly uh, encourage you to do it either. They sort of just give you the information. Mm. And then from there you go into, you know, yeah, the pathology and treating patients and working with people. So that's pretty cool that they actually had it structured to say like, yeah, you need to get your shit together. <laughs> There's our word, like get it together with yourself a little bit first before you start working with people. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, and we had to get our teachers like approval before right. we could continue on to the next years. Wow. Like you had to reach a certain level of, I don't want to say competency, but of understanding and self knowledge right. before you can start helping that's, others. That's a great fail safe mechanism to have in place because I think that would. There were a lot of people. I mean, I think, and you probably. I think when people start tackling their health issues, there's usually some kind of health crisis that comes up. There's some kind of healing crisis, emotional, physical, spiritual. It, you know, it just doesn't go well. There's a lot of uh, turmoil. And then if people are not clear of that space and they go into treating, that's, that can be problematic. Like for sure that people, I mean, I watched people struggle with that dynamic consistently in the program where it was like their stuff just wasn't resolved enough to really start moving forward and it stifled them. You know, it caused a lot of um, ruckus in the larger yeah. process. Well, that's very cool. So so after that period of time, though, then you start working clinically, right, with, with people and you start working with patients. Is that kind of like how it works, same way? Yeah, so that's more at the very end. That was really what we okay. focused on. I mean, we had case studies that we would work on right. and we would all, you know, have different, we, we would look at each other's you know, cases and yeah. come up with the plans. And yeah. so, um, yeah, but I, I was really, my main focus, I was, lo I always loved cooking and food. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. So I started teaching cooking classes when I graduated right away. Um, and then I did some, you know, one-on-one -on -one clients, but it's hard to develop a client base when you don't have any, yeah. you know, prior it's, you really have to start from somewhere. And so I'd, yeah. I would host these classes in my kitchen, cooking classes and teach people about the herbs and the spices and how they impact the body. And then I would get clients kind of trickle in through, have clients trickle in through that. Cause once you, yeah. you know, trust, build trust with someone, that's when yeah. uh, the good stuff happens. But yeah, once that rapport is there, absolutely. Yeah. And that brought you to like your platform now, right? Which is what daily Ayurveda. That's your, yeah. that's your, yeah. that's pretty cool. So now when people kind of come to you, is that <clears throat> they find you, you know, through either word of mouth, I'm sure, or your business. And then that's kind of, that's kind of the guidance you provide, right? It's like, you're just the Ayurvedic life principles so that people can harmonize, right? Deficiencies or excesses. 
Exactly. Yeah. So Very when cool. people come in, come to, I have, my office is actually out of my house. So mm-hmm. I see, um, clients, we have tea together. We sit, we That's look great. at each other in the eye. We, we spend 90 minutes, just me getting to know them yeah. and understand what is their life like? What are their elimination yeah. habits? What are, you know, what's actually realistic for them to start bringing in? Cause I can't just say, okay, right. you know, now I know you're Pitta Vata, so I'm going to create this whole plan for you and then see ya. Yeah. Um, it's like, what are the three things that we have to take away right now that are going to make the biggest impact? And how are we going to implement these new recipes into your life? Or do you need to have a food service come? Or, you know, it's right. like really just like realistically implementing i think what i like well i know what i like about ayurveda i mean and ayurveda does this chinese medicine does this but they they have that really amazing skill of tailoring these systems to you because every person is so unique right their emotional proclivities their physical attributes their digestive traits their genetic heritage there's so many things that go into this and i love that that these um lineages will tailor what they're doing to a person because I think, like you said, that one size usually doesn't fit all. I mean, it's so many people. I mean, just look at the like diet scene now, right? There's so many different. It's insane how many different things there yeah. are. And I have friends who thrive on keto and like they've become so much healthier. And then like when I tried keto, boy, my body was like, nope, like that's so not the move, yeah. you know, like that's yeah. definitely don't do that. <laughs> so, um, but I like this though, that like they, that that's that inherent mechanism is at play, right? Like you can just work with someone and like really hone in on what their, what their issue is, you know, like what it, what it, what's going on, you know, at that fundamental level. So that's really um, beautiful about these systems. My question to you just as a, and this is like a genuine inquiry from kind of like a diagnostician clinician sort of take Chinese medicine has the five elements, fire, earth, metal, water, and wood. Those relate to seasons, emotions. um, And there's always, we're trying to balance these, these things. But Ayurveda has the doshas, right? And it's three, but there's a there a blend of more than one element in one dosha, correct? There's three doshas, but like each one is a mix of, is that right? Yes, yes. Silk, yeah, so, can, can you talk can about that? Can we get into that? Yeah, talk yeah, about that yeah. a little bit because that's so, I'm interested in that. I'm curious. The elements in Ayurveda are actually different than the elements in Chinese medicine. Yeah, we have. <laughs> I've heard, yeah, I've heard this, yeah. yeah. So we have earth, water, fire, air, and space. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Basically, there are that we call it. You can kind of think of them as like bio energies. Yeah. Um. And so when you think about the bio energy of air and space together, that's mm-hmm. vata. Uh huh. Um, the bio energy of water and fire together is pitta, mm-hmm. and that, and then uh, water and earth is kapha. Kapha. So if you think about like, you, I, I kind of this is how I always describe it to people. Like you go, you're sitting by a stream and you reach your hand into the cold water and you dig down and find like a lump of clay that is that essence of that like wet clay Mm -hmm. is kapha which is like heavy it's moist it's um cold it's solid steady um and kapha is responsible for all of the um bone in our body the muscle tissue like the actual substance yeah um the gooiness of yeah. our body. Yeah, the goop, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And then um, pitta is fire and water. And it's kind of confusing when you think of fire and water because you think that they're in conflict with each other. Mm -hmm. But actually, pitta is more like liquid fire. Like it moves like liquid, but it's hot in nature. Uh So... Um, sort of like, sort of like lava, like a, like, yeah, yeah, like lava, yeah, exactly. like, yeah, like lava, the, but without the rock. Right. Right. Got it. Okay. So, so if you think of it like, um, very subtle and very, um, yeah. it's, it's responsible for all of the chemical, um, transformations that happen in our body. So when we digest our food, there's pitta at oh. work, taking one thing and heating it up and transforming it into nutrients that we can then use right. or all of our hormonal um shifts are yeah you know dealing with pitta or um our and when we get really angry that's pitta dosha coming out mm. but when we look back and we go to vata when when we, vata gets out of balance which is that air and oh wait actually i just was talking about kapha when kapha gets out of balance um, you have that heaviness, dullness, lethargy, yeah. kind of like lackadaisical energy. Sluggish, yeah. Sluggish. Yeah, yeah. I naturally cough, so like I, I, yeah, I, I know you are. Yeah, I can run that way and I'm like, oh my God, this sucks. <laughs> it's not good when I'm out of balance, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I'm more pitta dominant, so when I get out of balance, I'm like, <sighs> yeah, yeah, fiery. <laughs> fiery and like just feeling everything really intensely. Um, yeah. So, and you can tell by the way someone's demeanor is like, I knew that you were Kapha from the minute I started talking to you because you do have a more grounded, slow, steady pace about, yeah. about you. Yep. Um, um, and then people who are Pitta dominant, you can tell when you look in their eyes, they're, they have a more penetrating yeah, gaze. Pierces, yeah. Uh, they tend to be kind of intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a sort of a medium body frame, so they build muscle pretty easily. But they don't they don't go too far. If they if they miss a meal, they're not gonna they might get a little hangry, but they're not gonna become emaciated. You know, right. they're sort of like right, right in the middle. Um, Kafa people could go without a meal for the most part and not really have it bother them yeah. too much. I'm like a um, one, I'm a one meal a day kind of person usually, yeah. like especially in the spring and summer. Like yeah, one meal a day is pretty one big meal is all I really yeah. need. Yeah, yeah. So then we'll go into vata, um, which is air and space. And vata is the most subtle of the three doshas. Um, It's also very changeable. So if you think about the nature of air and space, um, air is constantly, it's changing from one direction to the next without any rhyme or reason. It's very unpredictable. Mm -hmm. Um, It's cold in nature. It's mobile. It's um, dry. Um, So if you have a lot of vata in you, you're going to tend to be trimmer than most mm-hmm. usually, mm-hmm. um, drier skin. Um, uh, you'll tend to go more towards like fear and anxiety over, um, you know, the other, uh, psychological characteristics yeah. I was talking about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people who have like prolonged vata for extended periods of time, things like Parkinson's disease, yeah. you're, you know, have nervous system sure. issues. Um, you can get osteoporosis, like where your bones literally start developing, right. holes, you know? So yeah. it's kind of, I remember learning about how all of these disease man- diseases manifest in, in the body and 
oh my God, it makes so much sense that totally. that would happen to your bones if you have extreme Vata deficiency or Vata right. in overdrive. So yeah. So, um, yeah. No, I love it. I mean, this is like, I, this is the part that I, I always say if I had like infinite resources and just infinite time, I would have like definitely gone to Ayurveda school also. Um, yeah. I just couldn't do it, but um, I loved this aspect of it. And the, the threads are very similar, right? The five elements in Chinese medicine. And, you know, there's, I, I have gotten into this conversation, like nerdy conversations with Ayurveda people and the elements, you know, the elements are different, but so metal is close to like the air and space in um, mm. Chinese medicine because metal reverbs and produces sound and sound waves travel through air and space. Oh. So metal element, it has ties to like heaven energy, like yang from above. So, and then wood interestingly has ties to like the wind, like that's the wind connection because the way the Chinese kind of saw it too, were that trees were dependent upon the motion of the wind to like massage the wood of the plants, like to like, wow. So there's some cool threads. Like, and I've always been wanting to like dive deeper with a practitioner and be like, how I want to find where these are like, because they're, they're more linked yeah. than we think, but they're a little different, but they're, this is that. That converse. makes so much sense that there was like metals, like the wall where the sound reverberates. So it's totally, and it, I mean, even when you taste that metallic taste, you can taste that, that yes. energy too. I'm a very like, yeah, <laughs> nose mouth centered human being. Same, so same a hundred percent. Yeah. I can relate completely. <laughs> and you can see like in the grains of the wood too, how there's like energy that kind of flows through it Correct. as well. Correct. So they've got these cool threads and I always wonder, you know, about, you know, the advent and the inception of these systems geographically too, right? Like, what was happening in China where they kind of framed everything this way? And then in India, they framed it this way. But there's so much commonality and confluence among these disciplines. Um, and they approach them differently, but they're so similar at the same time. It's just, it's like, I always think of it kind of like, um, you know, if you have like a bunch of kids in a room and you tell them like you put an apple in the center of the room and you say, okay, everybody paint this apple. Like they're all going to paint it a little differently, but they're all going for the same thing, you know? So like I always think yeah. like, these systems are kind of like that. Like it's not really wrong or different. It's just, uh, it is different, just not wrong, but that's cool. That's great. Thank you for diving into a little bit because I think that's, that's a cool concept for people to consider if they go down these roads and they explore Ayurveda or uh, Chinese medicine that you're taking these elemental forces and trying to figure out, you know, the harmony, the balance in your body, which is really cool. Well, another thing too, just a similarity that, I now I kind of just want to nerd out with you on this, but <laughs> like in Ayurveda, they say when you have really high vata, when your air and space elements are elevated, yes, um, that it's really important that you don't surround yourself with too much sound, like too too much loud music oh, or too much like stimulation, and that your skin right. is a huge. It's your skin is connected to um, vata as well, so that you when you feel like the cold air. Yeah. on your skin it activates and aggravates vata so like keeping warm like just kind of almost like protecting yourself so, with like a shroud yeah there's so many we could nerd out for a long time on this <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like the metal element right it's it's they call it wei chi it's like the it's the skin layer uh, it relates to the lungs and metal and it's the same thing right it's like that yeah you want to keep the the wei chi warm right that yeah same exact thing like you don't want cold invasion right they're very like the chinese were kind of phobic about the elements like attacking you but definitely they were like yeah you don't want cold invasion you don't want that that lung 
membrane, that metal membrane getting like penetrated by too much cold or too much damp or too much heat because those influences will come in and, you know, you'll get sick, you know, and then you, then you got a whole slew of things you got to do to get it out. So it's pretty, right. it's definitely interesting. Well, so when you, this is just a question and then we can, we can always shift gears, but one, one last nerd out question here. So with the doshas, when you're the three doshas, the three primaries, are you ideally, are you trying to become what they call tridoshic? Are you trying to balance all three or are you predominantly one and you sort of balance that throughout, you know, your life? Like, how does that work? So your dosha is like your body's tendency. Okay. So you don't really want to aspire to be another dosha. You, you are what you are. Right. Um, so like if I'm mostly pitta dominant, mm-hmm. I can't be tridoshic. Like right. people, you're either born tried and not very many people are, they yeah. think they are, but <laughs> <laughs> you're not balanced. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's actually not, it, it's balanced, but it's, it's a nature. It's like, uh, it's not your choice. Uh-huh. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Like, so, um, so like if I'm pitta dominant, I'm trying to balance, I'm just going to be working my whole life to balance Pitta, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean I'm going to, it can mean that my Vikruti or my current state of balance is more, is going to be more uh-huh. like level, but my Prakriti or my Dosha will always remain the same. Oh, got it. Okay. That's very cool. Cause I was curious about that when, it's the same thing. You're predominantly one element in Chinese medicine, or if you're usually a few, right? Like, but you have predominant ones that you are, uh, and very few people are earth. Earth is like true classically, like the balanced, like the tridoshic element, because they have in the classical, they've got earth in the middle and the other four elements are on the outside and everything huh. revolves around the earth pivot. But they say like, yeah, you're born balanced, but you fall out of balance incredibly easily too. So it's like, that's the, that's the curse of like being the balanced person is like, yeah, you can hold the razor's edge, but you fall off like all the time, you know, you fall off easily. But I was curious about that because I've heard, um, you know, some people talk about it loosely where they're like, yeah, you know, every person is trying, you want to balance all of the doshas and be tridoshic. And I was always like, that doesn't seem right to me. That seems like you would be predominantly something that you're going to have to kind of navigate more so throughout your life. Cause that's been true for me as a Kapha person. Like I've had to like, I'm mostly Kapha and I have to just balance that it seems like as I go through life <laughs> yeah I yeah could, it would be hard to be something else that's for sure I mean the, you can't ever be something else because that's always going to yeah. be your tendency right. but you can have imbalances in other areas right or you can balance them out more so like you could you could like balance out your kapha by doing x y and z maybe like having a um, intermittent fasting or right. by um you know, lightening up your diet or by exercising more, doing more like cardio work as opposed to muscle building, right. you know, and you could, your body could start to change and you could start to feel right. a little bit more, a little better, maybe yes. even yeah. lighter. Yeah, for sure. Lighter. But then you're always going to kind of have to fight nature if you yes. want to. Oh man, so true. <laughs> Might as well just be a happy kapha. Totally. No, I've, it's taken a while, <laughs> but I've gotten there. <laughs> I mean, what I mean is like, not that you just give up and surrender, but like, yeah. there's a certain amount of, um, of, I think there's a certain amount of surrender that we all would benefit from. 
Agreed. In terms of like, this Agreed. is my body. Yeah, this is <laughs> this what's is, up, right? Yeah. This is what's happening. Yeah. No, it's a really key point because a lot of people don't. And, and that's a big struggle, right? They, just not accepting what is and what is fundamentally there is, yeah, it's problematic for sure. Well, okay, so Britt, let's, you had prior to this when we were talking, you know, before we actually got on the podcast and you had mentioned um, just some of the stuff that's like really alive in your experience right now with yeah. like your navigating ulcerative colitis and um, just that journey and how how to navigate it and all of the dynamics that go around that process. So can we jump into that? Because yes. I think like it's relevant. Like you said, I, like I said before, it's alive in you now. So yeah, I would like to hear your, your download on that process for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so I, after school, I was, you know, after that first year of self-healing, I was fully colitis free for eight years, which is almost unheard of. Um, like doctors, when I saw them and I'd go in for a checkup and they'd say, Oh, you have ulcerative colitis. And I'd say, no, I had ulcerative colitis. (laughs) I don't have it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and then this year I actually had a bunch of really stressful things all happen at the same time. So, I was engaged and that relationship Mm. dissolved. Um, That was pretty huge, like wedding dress in my closet still type of intensity. Oh, that's Um, And uh, my parents ended up getting a divorce after 35 years of marriage or 39 years. Yeah, a long time. Um, Devastating devastating blows. Really, yeah, Yeah, big. Earth shattering, yeah. Like, and, and, you know, it seems like, okay, you're 35, like who cares? Your parents get divorced. You'll be fine. But when your family structure falls apart and everything that you, you know, thought just took, I just took it for granted that I was going to have my parents and my, my family house. And, um, and so when all of that got kind of uprooted and excavated in my own relationship, so my, my relationship to being, held in my own family and my family that I was about to build yeah. all fell apart. Yeah. And then I was also in a really challenging financial situation because, um, I, you know, when you split up from someone and you have joint income and then you go f- from that to being on your own, it's, yeah. it's a big adjustment. So, yeah. um, real so life, yeah, real life challenges. Yeah. Real life challenges. Yeah. And they all happened at the same time. And, um, so I was pretty stressed out. Um, and I, my colitis came back this Jan, February, March, February, March. Um, and so I'm now currently dealing with a major IBD flare, which is, you know, having to go to the bathroom multiple times. Everything that happened when I was sick, eight years ago is like happening times two right now. Wow. And it is incredibly humbling because I am literally doing everything like self care to the end like, yeah, I mean, I'm staying, I'm cooking all my meals. I am making, I'm taking lavender Epsom salt baths. I am doing, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) I'm seeing a therapist. I'm talking with friends about things and not bottling them inside. And, um, oh my God. And sometimes I'm just realizing I need to like watch a Netflix and chill out for a minute and, um, and all, you know, and 
and it's still there. And it's like, it's yeah. been really challenging. What I've noticed the most is at this point, because I've, you know, been studying Ayurveda so long and been on the self care, self love journey for so many years that I find that people want to be helpful by giving advice. And so they're like, oh, have you ever tried <laughs> celery juice? I heard it works wonders. Medical like, medium, right? Totally. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or have you ever, um, <laughs> like, what, oh, what else? Like, you should, um, you should try, you know, this tincture or this oil or, and when you are dealing with a chronic illness, if you're listening to this, and you are dealing with a chronic illness that you have to set major boundaries with people for what you are not available for, or you will just get plummeted by people who are trying to be helpful and trying to be compassionate, but it actually doesn't feel like that at all. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's it's not, it's not the right dynamic for what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. What do you need when you're in, you know, and, and what do I need right now? Like I need, I need to trust that this is happening for a reason. Yeah. I need to trust that I will heal again. Mm -hmm. Oops. Sorry about that. Um, Oops. I don't know if I can, hopefully this doesn't. You're still here. Yeah. Nothing. nothing, Did you hear a ding? No. I mean, nothing, nothing changed on my end, but it's sort of the nature of live recording, you know, shit happens. So, but yeah, you're okay. (laughs) You're you're still good. Okay. My dentist just pinged me. Um, So anyways, I, um, yeah, I am in like this whole identity crisis actually of, you know, I'm this person who healed from this disease and who is now teaching other people how to heal and, and I'm not doing great. And that's the truth. And it's, but good on uh, you, good on you for like sitting with that and admitting it like because you're human it's gonna happen right like good for you <laughs> yeah. it's so hard like imposter syndrome times a thousand man i mean it's yeah, like yeah. <laughs> and um but you know what i've learned so far is i've learned a lot uh like the next level of compassion in terms of like if someone's suffering yeah. they actually just really want to be heard they actually just need need someone to listen to them yep. and like to be there with them and to check in and yep. you know just kind of hold space for whatever needs to emerge to come out yep. and not problem solve and try and fix it um, and and I'm learning to to trust with a capital T um, in ways that I don't think I have been for a while um, yeah. you know that like. And I don't have to do anything right now because what happens is that I go into fix it mode where I'm like, well, if I'm getting this colitis for a second time, there must be a reason. Right. Totally. So I'm going to write a book about it. Right. And, or I'm right. going to start a podcast or right. I'm going to uh, yeah. teach this recipe. And like, I like, I don't actually need to do that right now. Yeah. Like right now I need to be in the suffering actually which sounds like a negative outlook, but it's not, it's just a real, a realness with what's happening, which is like, yeah. man, I don't have a lot of energy. And well, yeah. And what, just to add to that, you know, what, one of the things you said prior to this podcast was you're like, it's, 
it's sort of like, I mean, you're going through this experience for a reason, right? There's a larger context here too of just like, I think when we go through these healing crises and our body relapses or we have some chronic health thing come back up, like you said, it's humbling, but then you're put back into this position where it's, you are being schooled, right? On In some larger context, right? And it doesn't always make sense. It's sometimes it's fully abstract, but we are being schooled and... I think if you're not receptive to that process, if you're just, like you said, like you go into fix-it mode or you're on autopilot or you ignore it, which is even worse, I think, I mean, it's problematic for a bunch of different reasons. But yeah, I think it's pretty reasonable to, God, get to this place where you are and say, yeah, like I'm not doing great right now. Like things that I fixed are fully back in effect. And I mean, that's just a very honest, genuine place to be, especially as a practitioner. I mean, like I said, my hat's off to you for that because... I think there's a pitfall for a lot of us. And and this has happened to me where I've, I think sometimes all of the like knowledge and education and theory that you accumulate, it can really be like your Achilles heel too, because you're like, oh, I've got so much information. I should know how to fix this. And then you spin your mind out and you're like, you oh said, my God. you're reading every book and you're doing everything. And it's like, that's just not the move. It's like, nope. That's just not what's supposed to happen, really. It's like you have to be with it. <laughs> you have to sit. Yeah. You have to sit here and deal with it. Totally. And, you know, when you were saying that, I mean, I'm getting like a little teary again, just thinking of, you know, what I really need right now is to be taken care of a little bit. Yeah. And that is hard to admit because yeah. when you're used to, you know, that's my MO is. I'll, Oh, you're sick. I'll make you chicken soup. You know, like, Oh, my, my mom just had a shoulder surgery. I'll be there to, you know, nurse her back to health. Cause I know what, I know she needs to have bone broth and I know she needs, you know? And and so, um, and, um, yeah, it's hard when you're the caretaker and that's your MO to be taken care of. Yeah. It's very vulnerable. Um, so I've had to ask a couple of friends like, Hey, you know, friends who I really trust their cooking and say like, Hey, can you make me some almond milk? Cause yeah. I just like can't make another batch of almond milk this week or, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, and it's they've great. been, so I have such amazing community around me who I know is there, which I'm so grateful for. And, um, but it's to ask, you know, and then you ask once and then you're like, okay, that's my free ticket. I'm not right. asking again. Right. I can't do that twice. Right? <laughs> yeah. So that's been really interesting navigating, um, that the, pro- the process of like ne- feeling vulnerably needing, like I kind of need to like go sit in a chair and have someone just like put their hands on me. Yeah. It- it's like, we can't heal all on our own. No. We-, we think we can, but we need an army of people to help us. And, we need people who we trust and, you know, and who we know we can be safe with in our most vulnerable of places. Yes. Well said. I, yeah. I agree fully. And this is an idea that I, I talk with my, my clients and my people about, and, and I've talked with my friends about this, that health and healing, and I, but the active, right, that like the verb healing, like the action piece of that. I really feel like is is like a kind of like a musical chord. It's a harmonic. It's like multiple things mm. happening at the same time that elicit what we would call like a healing, right? The healing response in the body. 
sometimes, right, it's like sometimes that red pill is the red pill and like that one thing like, you know, turns the, the tide for you for sure. But collectively, most of the time, like what I've seen with people is it's a confluence of many things happening at the same time that make a harmonic, like a musical chord. And then it's like, oh, wow. But like you said, right, it's 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 multiple things, though. There's like multiple things happening. You know, it's like a good social support system. It's good food. Um, you know, it's a good chance encounter with the person on the street. There's a bunch of things that happen that can kind of bring us, I think, our physiology and our mind to a place where we... Because, I mean, I think about it like back to when you were like sick eight years ago, right? Like when you were really in the thick of it. I mean, if you probably go back to the like that beginning of that process, think about how many different places your mind, body, and spirit were taken. Like, Oh, my God. Like you were probably stretched in how many different directions trying to figure that out, right? I mean, it's like a completely different, but it's like, it's all cyclical, right? You're back in the same place, but with a completely different, now you just have a, t- a lot more knowledge, you know? Which kind of makes it harder in a lot of ways. Cause I'm not, I don't harder. feel like I'm at the mercy of, you know, like, oh, I don't know. I just like, I'm like, yeah, I know. And it's still happening. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and that's what makes it so much more humbling this time around because, um, yeah, you know, I, I want to talk about this experience that I had, which really ties into what you're saying about yeah. all these different things coming to to make it heal, to strike the chord of the healing. Like mm-hmm. you're kind of like working on it until you get yeah. to like, oh, that's the right thing. Yes. Um, but I, so the other night, I'm getting real vulnerable here, but you oh, know what? That's no, great. This is like what everyone needs, I think, a little bit more of. For so sure, for sure. I'm just going to yeah. go Lay get it, down. it out there. Lay it down, yeah. So I was having a big grief day, mixing my, missing my ex. And, um, you know, just feel like when you're, when you're sick and you're alone, it yes. can feel real isolating. Yes. And so I had a hard day. I think I was like hormonal on top of it. It was just like the trifecta. Yeah. Yeah. I think I like lost it. One of my, I do modeling on the side and I had lost a modeling gig that I thought I was going to get all this money. So it's just like, life sucks, man. So So I get into bed and I'm like, okay, I need to calm my mind. So I, I put on this, um, you know, insight timer, the app. Yeah. You have this, this, a bunch of, um, meditations with chanting and I that's my go-to like when I want to shut my brain off I just do an insight timer guided meditation and there was this one um that is for removing pain and suffering it's a Vedic mantra and I was listening to it and I kind of rolled over and and I as I rolled over I realized I was sort of like giving myself a hug and I was like oh this feels like really good right now yeah, to, to, be, to be embraced. Yeah. To be like, yeah. And then I, I had this image and I was crying and I had this image come to me where I was just bawling and all of my girlfriends who I'm super close to were just surrounding me and their hands were on me and they were saying like, Hey girl, like we, you got this, like we're with you. Like you can just cry it out, you know? Yeah. And so I, that minute I was like, that's what <clears> I need. I need my I need my women friends around me right now. So I wrote an email to six of my closest girlfriends and said, Hey guys, I'm in a really bad place right now and I need some support. Um, if you're around this Sunday, no pressure if you can't make it, but like, can you come over for two hours? I just need, I need to like cry. 
And five out of the six were like, I'll be there 100%. Like, I'll even name the time. And I, you know, I set up the space. I put, you know, like a mat down so that I could lay down. I set myself up for like a healing. Yeah, wow. And we did a little check-in and then they they just surrounded me and I just, I laid down and I just lost, you know, I talked about my mom and the issues that, you know, from childhood with, with that dynamic. I talked about my, you know, my, um, my relationship, like everything just kind of poured out of me and it was almost like an emotional exorcism in a way. Like I was exactly what it is. Yeah. Like just a huge release. I could, my heart at one point, like I was laying down and I was in so much pain and my heart was just like out and they were all giving just like, like with me, like as much as you can be present with someone like guiding me and helping me and holding space for me and, you know, petting me and rubbing my head and, for an hour, I would say I had like this releasing. And then and towards the end of it, I was like, and I love that little, I was talking about my inner child and I was like, she was really cool. Yeah. Right. She's awesome. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> so much of, like, yeah, you know, so much of the issues that I'll just speak for myself that I have with myself, had, have whatever with myself are that, I didn't really love myself as a kid. I had, I thought mm-hmm. that there was something wrong with me yeah. and that I was flawed in some way or, you know, and I was like, she was really cool. Like that kid was awesome. She, she was like marched yeah. to the beat of her own drummer and she was creative and she was smart and she really cares about people and she always has and like yes she's sensitive and yes she's got needs and like and that's okay and it just I had this integration with my inner child and after I just so I cried it out and then I was like and I have to pee right now so I went up to (laughs) pee and I came back and I was like I feel like I'm seven pounds lighter yeah like I had just no shit right so many years of pain that were like coiled up oh, inside yeah. me and we went out and had a picnic at the lake and everything was like this is what I want to be doing I want to wear these shoes I want to wear this shirt I'm going to eat this food because this feels good in my belly right now and it's yeah. it became not about like accommodating everyone around me and trying to like have this you know just this gut anxiety about trying to make everything okay and yeah. just letting it be and I got to tell you, that was probably the, one of the most blissful days of my life. And it was an, a, just a day, <laughs> but it was, that yeah. was the cord of healing that I needed at that exact moment. I needed to be seen, yes. felt, and loved in my pain. And I was. And it feels good. Yeah. It feels really good. I mean... I think when, and it's right, it's men and women alike, right? And everyone in between. It's people need that. People need that space to, God, break down, reassemble, reorganize. And then, right, like what you're saying, make a claim for what the fuck you want. You're like, I want this yeah. thing right now because it's what I need. And yes. and that's okay because I'm a person and I have a I have a pulse and I'm alive. And like, I yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. Like people... It's so, um, 
it's so needed and it doesn't happen a lot. You know, people, I think we get for whatever reason, right? We get so hung up in our, our own stuff that we just, we can't get there, right? My mom calls it, so like as you were talking, my mom, she's like, she says the anxious pleaser, right? It's like the person who's like anxiously always trying to please everybody, right? And yeah, like you said, when the role reverses, God, it's like a completely foreign thing for you. You're something you're so good at. Yeah. All of a sudden, when you need it, it's like, well, I can't do that. I can't. Yeah. I can't reverse the role. I can't. I can't ask for what I yeah, need. I can't. Yeah. Why, yeah. Who am I like, to ask for the shit I need? <laughs> we had. Um, and, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say, I think for men, too, especially, it's even harder. Way harder. Much harder. Collectively. And I feel like so much for for men right now because there's just not as many resources available. I don't. It's very true. Yep. Hope you froze for a second. You still there? All right. So we had a little freeze. Brit should come back. Let's hope. Well, hopefully Brit comes back because we're right in the middle of a really good conversation. So hopefully she reconnects. So people, this is how it goes with Skype interviews. Uh, Ah, there we go. (laughs) I was just talking to myself like, well, I hope Britt comes back because this was really good. (laughs) So Um, cool. You were frozen. I lost my internet connection, but I'm back. That's okay. That's okay. We didn't lose feet or anything, so which is great. So I talked to myself for a few seconds while you were uh, in limbo. So um, I don't know where we totally left off. Um, oh, I was talking about men and yeah, how yeah, it's, much I feel for men right now. It's very difficult for men. Like it's a really, I've been pretty fortunate. Like I think just given my life path, um, I've been surrounded by, it's a, it's a mix, right? I really like the tough masculine, like rough edge dude. Like I really do like that. It's a, it's a choice. Like I just like that persona. I played rugby, like I played football. I did martial arts. I still do martial arts. So I like that. But thank God, I've also had guys who are like are in that space who are also like, they got warm hearts, you know, and they'll, they'll be, if I'm like, Hey, Hey boys, I'm losing my shit here. I could use, uh, some help. And, you know, I need you guys to come over here and cook steaks with me. so I can like talk this out and do my thing. And it's like, I've had that and I've been lucky, but a lot of guys don't like a lot of men, like you said, they really struggle um, and then there's like, there's a lot of shame around it too. There's a lot of shame for guys. Um, if they admit they're in a lot of pain or they're really struggling over like a, a heartbreak, a woman, you know, a relationship yeah. guys will be like, there's a, they, I think they've been trained to kind of see it as a weakness that if they're yeah. like hurt by a woman or they're hurt in a relationship that it's, and it's just not the case. I mean, so many of the guys I know, it's like people are people and emotions are emotions and you better process them in some way. You know, you gotta, you're going to have to navigate that terrain at some point. And if you don't. It'll manifest somewhere else. Yeah, it's going to be. If a, you don't, it's going to become a sickness. That's exactly right. There's going to be a very real penalty for that in the long run. When I was just to kind of mirror. So thank you for, first of all, sharing all of this, because I think yeah. uh, a lot of people will relate to it for one, uh, men and women, just hearing your, your story and the grief and the pain. Um, <clears throat> when I was, you know, when I was 19 and I've told this story before, but, um, it really applies to what you're saying. When I was 19, my first year at Chico state, um, my dad was killed in a car accident. Like, just like my first, I was like, oh yeah, the anniversary is coming up April 27th. And I was like 19, right at the end of the year, my first year, amazing year at Chico State, like just so epic. You know, I had so much fun. Ninth floor, Whitney Hall, made all these great friends. And it's like, 
boom, you know, like dad's instantly killed in a car accident. And that grief, like when he died, I cried instantly, but then I went numb and I just kind of shut off. And then I cried once more, like a week later when I eulogized him in Sacramento. And then for like two years, I didn't cry. Like it was just, I think my body, I was 19. I just, I don't think I know how to deal with it. It just kind of shut down. And when I got into a romantic relationship, like a, my first serious one, I started to have problems. Like it yeah. was just like, um, and it, at the time it was like, you know, performance, like sexual performance. Like I was getting sexual anxiety and like, and I couldn't perform and I was just like not able to rise to the occasion. And that was brutal at like 21 to yeah. have that happen was like, and I thought there was something wrong with me. You know, I was like, oh my God, my life's over. I'm 21 and I'm having this problem. Like that's that's bullshit. And I was really upset, super depressed. I saw a urologist. I saw a hypnotherapist. I saw a regular, um, therapist. Uh, I took like herbs and supplements and it was like, nothing was working. And, um, I met a good male role model, my martial art instructor, um, who's, oh. who's still in Chico. Uh, he, he teaches cook soul, cook soul one of the best martial arts systems and teachers I've ever found. And he was in, um, Chico, I've been studying with him for six months and he was always talking about breath and energy in class. And I was kind of like, well, it was a long shot. I just kind of felt called. I was like, look, you're always talking about that stuff. Do you think you can help me because I'm having this issue and it's ruining my life. And I didn't even, I hadn't even made the connection between the grief of my dad at all. Like I hadn't made the connection yet, but he, uh, he invited me after class one night after training, after like a two hour session on a Wednesday night. And he just kind of scanned my body and he found this spot in my hip and he just dug his hand into it. And I remember when he pressed into it, I was like, that is really, really uncomfortable and I don't like it. And it, but it didn't physically hurt. It was just, it was like, I, it's very hard to explain. And he's like, okay. He's like, well, he's like, that's, he's like, you're storing something here. And then he dug in a little bit deeper and that physically hurt a little bit. But then he's like, and then he said these words, I'm not going to let go. And then as soon as he said that my body, I mean, I just, <sighs> I like, popped like it was just like a like a balloon popping i cried larissa conte on the last episode nine she she was about grief the whole episode was about grief and she said there's a difference between crying and wailing i wailed like i was like oh that's what wailing is like that's i just bawled my eyes out for about an hour straight and he turned the lights down he put a blanket over me and i just cried you know and he came back out and he was like look gray he's like you're not less of a man for crying. He's like, you're more of one, you know? And I was like, that was like, this. it was like at night at 21 to hear that. I was like, Oh my God. I was like, who are you? You know, like to who, like, who the fuck are you? This is amazing. Like, thank you for telling me that. And then he just talked to me. He's like, look, he's like, when life traumas happen, we, you know, people die, breakups, you know, we move, we lose something, we lose someone. He's like, those things have to be processed and they've got to be dealt with. And if they don't, they don't get dealt with. He's like, exactly what you said. He's like, that will, he's like, you leave that anchored in your body for about 20, 30 years. He's like, that's, that's, that'll lead to cancer. That'll turn into, wow. a, that'll turn into a tumor. That'll turn into something awful. That, that's just not worth something that will take your life. If you don't process life, like life will be taken from you. Like it's, it's just, a, and I was like, Phew. and to hear that at that age, you know, it totally relates to what you're saying though. It's like that, it's that, that access point was what, I mean, I thought, God, God bless Chuck Duran for telling me that for one. And, and then two, to be, to be made aware of it at a young age, like, yeah, you, you have to, you have to deal oh with my it. God. And then the resolution to that was, you know, um, 
I mean, I saw my, my girlfriend at the time that night for the first time in six months, I was able to like be with her intimately. And I was like back, I was like, like what? Like that, did that just, wow. did that just happen? Did that just six months of everything that I could try to find and all I had to do was cry. <laughs> like that was the, I mean, that just blew my mind and it opened up the doorway. I mean, I wouldn't be on this Chinese medicine path if it hadn't been for that thing. You know, I was like, so the mind body connection's pretty fucking real. <laughs> like it was pretty apparent pretty yeah. quickly. Like that's, that's, it's real. And, um, that was, I mean, and it established this relationship with grief, right? Like for the rest of my life, I thought if I, if I'm able to grieve, um, appropriately at the right times when I'm supposed to about the things that that are worth grieving over, it's going to help me be a healthier person and organism, you know? So as you're, as you're talking about this, I'm just like, I can relate fully, like wow. open that grief door, you know, let yourself get into like the funk and the pain yeah. and, and like that roughness. And when you do like, right, you said like that, that the day of bliss, right? You're like, Oh my God, <laughs> like, yeah, I feel seven pounds lighter. I feel so, I feel so amazing now from just dumping out what was inside. Like that's a, it's a powerful process. I'm super touched by your story. And oh. the, I think the thing that struck me the most is that moment where he was digging in and he said, I'm not going to let go. It's and terrifying. just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you needed the, to hear that at that minute in yeah. order to be terror. It's like the terror yeah. led you to, to actually process the grief. That's exactly right. It was, it was a needed uh, catalyst and it was a compassionate move, but it was forceful. Oh. And he said it so gently, but he also said it like a martial artist. It was like, I'm not letting go. It was just like, yeah, like, like, and I was like, oh, goosebumps all over yeah. And I was like, and when he said that, I remember thinking like, oh God, like here it comes. I was like, if he's not letting go, like, now where is this to go and it was and it was just like it was like a dam that popped you know it was just a bottleneck and it (sighs) but all of this right it points to this larger dynamic this larger thing about like life healing grief right the healings we have to go through physical or emotional right and they're usually mixed up right there's there's lots of different things like with your case god given your life scenarios those things that were going down to, for those things to happen at once, I mean, it seems kind of fitting that like your body was probably going to give out to its weakest link. You know, the thing that it was struggling yes. with years back, like that's pretty reasonable. Like it doesn't seem crazy to me or like you're being punished or doing anything wrong. It's like, welcome to life, <laughs> you know, like welcome yeah. to like, the, the, the tough, the tough tribulations of human experience. Like it's, it's real. Yeah. And, and they... In Ayurveda, they call it stana vaigunya, which means the weak spot, oh, that's a which gr- is that's a like great word. Say it again. Stana vaigunya. Stana vaigunya. I like that. So that, that it's like you have these little crevices that like accumulate toxicity, pain, uh-huh. you know, bottled emotions, and like so. There's when you have this, um, it's like a wheelbarrow that's been run down the same path years and years and years. And then when it rains, the water is just going to collect in that that little crevice. Uh-huh. And so, like, it's just your body had it has this pattern that it's like sinking back into. And I mean, even this conversation, I'm like, 
reminded of like, okay, well, what, like, what, clearly it's not really that much having to do with diet because my diet's, <laughs> it hasn't really gone that far off the Richter, you know, yeah, and it's not exactly. like, like my lifestyle, I'm like raging, you know, on all night benders right now. Like, <laughs> right. Chico State days are back yeah, in effect, I, right? I, we did at Chico State. I'm pretty sure that was one of the main causes. So but. did I. Yeah. I had, my, I had my fun at Chico State for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I think like, you know, when I think about what happened when I first got it and what happened now, I was graduating from college and I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I didn't, know what my identity was. And it was so scary for me to like choose a path because I was scared I was going to choose the wrong one or that I wasn't like, I didn't know who I was or who I was supposed to be. And now when, you know, the, the, the engagement fell apart, like I had it in my head that he and I were going to be a family. I was going to have kids soon. Like this was my identity was going to be like his wife yeah. And he was going to be my husband and right. this was going to be our apartment. And, yeah. and that like when, when that relationship devol- dissolved, it was like my identity yeah. it's a was huge... kind of taken and it's like, oh my God, who am I now again? Who am yeah. I, who am I without that relationship and without my family being together and without, and, um, and it's funny cause like that's, where you find who you are is in those moments where you, you know, there's not really, I can't really describe. I couldn't, if someone told me who to, to describe myself, like, who are you? It's like my worst nightmare. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Some like combination of like a, someone who likes to paint and I like nature and I like to cook and I love, you know, yeah. hosting people at my house for dinner right. and I love right. kids and puppies and yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm really sensitive. Like I'm not, yeah. and I'm complex and I'm, you know, but it's like, I don't, I can't like put myself into, I can't like make a sound bite to, to dial in like who I am and, yeah. you know, biography. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's, I guess like, it makes a lot of sense that it would come back again when, very you know, reasonable. something reasonable. that I wanted so badly. Yeah. I, I wanted to have kids so badly and I wanted to be married so badly. And when that's like yeah. gone, it's like, there's a couple, wow. there's a couple threads here. Um, one of my favorite quotes that I say to people and I, I tell myself is that, you know, heroes uh, are not born, they're made. They have to go the hero the hero's journey. Like you've got to go through these you know these very difficult things to become heroic in your life journey. Like to be to be a, of heroic proportions. Heroes struggle, you know. Like so, the heroic um, archetype that we have to embody usually there's some there's some really ugly shit that we have to usually go through <laughs> if we're gonna get the hero title, you know. So that's one, and so and that's difficult. And I think the other thing is just to kind of acknowledge what you're saying is that. I think when we when we dream beautiful things, right? When beautiful things die, it's considerably harder. And that's a beautiful animal, a, a beautiful scenic, you know, a part of forest. Like a, when yeah. things of beauty die, the ramifications to the yeah. to the spirit, I think, are way harder than when something ugly dies. When something ugly dies, it's like, okay, well, that was, you know, 
that it was, was just, time. It was time, right? And and when something beautiful dies, um, even if it hasn't come to fruition, right? Just the larger construct of the dream of like where you wanted to go in your life. When those beautiful things die, I mean, they they're crushing. They're just you know they hit you down to the core, and that's what, and it's destabilizing as all hell when it happens. You know when those, it, it's just like oh god, and you've got to be built back up, you know. So we, we, we mentioned a um, little shout out to Nani Leia, you know? Um, yes. So we both know Nani Leia. Love you, Nani Leia, if you're listening to this. Love you. <laughs> I'm coming back to you. I need you. <laughs> She's amazing for sure. She's so, um, but Nani Leia. So I, you know, I dated her sister for, you know, three and a half years, Amber. And when, when Amber split up with me, Nani Leia was one of the people that said that to me because I was broken. And broken like you know those heartbreaks that just like fuck you up to your core like where you're just like broken in every way but it was like it led me to my now wife and beautiful daughter so i can't i i can't like i'm not upset or lost by the experience it was like yeah that really shitty thing had to happen for me to get to where i am and nani leia was one of those people that said to me she's like gray like when your heart gets broken into a million pieces when it reforms, like those cracks are like, they're like hard plate steel. Like they're so much more resilient. The breaking is what allows it to reform and those sutures are like, you know, just divine metal. And I remember being like, oh, right. So that's cool because that really is helpful for me to think about and she was right. Like going forward, way more resilient fundamentally as a person because it's like, you know what you're made of. You know, you gotta go into that dark abyss of just, ugly shit and then you come out and you're like yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty resilient the human heart's pretty damn tough which is which is nice to know it's just not particularly fun when you're in it you know yeah the belly of the whale no it sucks and and the you know the um the exact scenario that you're talking about that cement there's actually a japanese ceramicist who takes broken pottery and puts it together with this like beautiful like that oh, is the, cool. his art wow. is like looking at the cracks and like filling in the cracks with beauty. Oh, and like, wow. I'll have to send it to you after yeah, please do. we're done. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's phenomenal. Um, but yeah, that, you know, and also I'm, I'm really fascinated with Japanese culture. Um, and one of the things, this, this notion of wabi-sabi, do you know wabi-sabi? No. no. So wabi-sabi is basically like intentionally imperfect. So you would put something out intentionally like a little bit off or a little to this or leave like something a little bit messy uh-huh. to create something of interest, to create like oh, some kind of rub that is like, per- it's like perfectly imperfect. Oh, that's and, great. I love that. Um, I don't know if I'm doing it justice. Sorry. No, no, no. no. There's it, like wabi-sabi people who... <laughs> <laughs> who are like, that's not it. But You're butchering it. That's my no. understanding. <laughs> no, it's, it, I love it. It's, um, no, and it makes sense to me. It does. Um, and so there was a period, so I love Asian culture, like Japanese, Chinese, obviously yeah. Chinese medicine. But one of the things they talked about was, so the tea ceremonies that happen in Japanese culture and Chinese culture are pretty amazing. And they're, they're similar and different. But one of the things that um, we were, I was, it was this, um, it was a Japanese owner of a sushi bar and one of the, he was just, but he was like through and through Japanese, had the thick accent and he was always talking about his, uh, his culture and the, the role of these things. And one of the things he talked about when you, when you pour sake, right? When you're pouring sake for your friends and you're celebrating every time he pour it, he would, he would 
overfill it and it would spill and I was always wiping it up and he was like, no, 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 no. Like, don't do that. And I was like, well, I was just trying to clean up the mess. He's like, it's not a mess. He's like, when you overfill the glass, it's symbolic of abundance mm-hmm. and those drops mm-hmm. and the mess it makes is like surplus and joy and like the messiness is part of the thing. It's the imperfect. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and we tried to translate it, but it, it basically what we ended up kind of coining it was like the, the wealthy poor, you know, when you overfill something and it, and I was always yeah. like left with that. I'm like, yeah, a little bit of the rough edges, right? A little bit of the imperfect is actually quite nice. Like, and, and at, from that point on, I was always like <laughs> pouring more sake than I was supposed to, you know? And, and yeah. So I like, I've carried that with me, but I can relate fully. That's a great concept. What's it called? Wabi. Wabi Sabi. Wabi Sabi. Is that W-A-B-I-S-A-B-I? I'm pretty sure. Okay. I'll have to definitely look that up or you can send me, send me whatever you've got on that. Yeah. The the ceramicist too. So where do you, my question, I guess what this is, is that now that you've, or you're still right, like you're actively in this, the healing process, like going through it. I'm always of the mind that the, the healings that we go through typically make us better healers outside of like all the charge with that word. Right. Of like, I don't want people to take it too literally, but, um, what have you seen thus far? Do you feel like, yeah, how has this made you better thus far? Like, how do you, do you feel like it's going to make you a better, yeah, better healer in the larger context? And if so, what have you seen so far? I think so. I mean, it's always, I think it's, um, I think it's given me so much more of a, a breadth of understanding how would I describe this in words? Like, I feel like my understanding of suffering is so much deeper now because, yeah. because of this experience. Um, and so my, I just, you know, my compassion is continues to grow and, um, and it's funny cause I actually just took a compa- compassion cultivation training course over eight weeks. Um, and it's all about how to, develop compassion for yourself and for others. It's through Stanford and it looks at the science and the uh, Eastern philosophy um, behind compassion and how and why it works. Wow. And, um, and That's I cool. feel like that, um, the, the process of like being in suffering and feeling it fully and and acknowledging that I'm in the belly of the whale right now and acknowledging yeah. that I'm, oh my God, that my life kind of sucks. I'm almost like a shut in. <laughs> like, it sucks right now. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so when I work with clients and I, I do work with a lot of clients with ulcerative colitis because yeah. people, you know, research Ayurveda colitis and they're, they're like, oh. Oh yeah. You've been through geez. this. Yeah. 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 Um, so I can talk about shit like yeah. till the cows come home. Yeah. And, yep. And it doesn't, and I think that that's valuable. It's, it's valuable for, for people to know that you've got them when they're in a really, um, shitty space Mm -hmm. that, that you have been there and that, you know, and because other, if, but like, I don't know what's going to come of this. Like, I don't know if some cookbook's going to emerge or some, yeah. You know, I really, I can't think of it right now, but all I yeah, can you're still do kind of, you're still kind of in the thick of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's still like, yeah. I think like the best thing that I can do right now is like, like decide what I'm going to have for dinner tonight and then like <laughs> yeah. make it with Keep love. Keep it simple, right? And not, <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> um, yeah. 
But yeah, I guess like in that, I, like I keep coming back to the word humbling because that's what I feel like this is doing to me. Um, it's, it's stripping me away of everything that, um, that I, I had built my identity around being this healer who was now, who had been healed. Yes. And oh man, like the, the ego wrap around that, right? Of like, yeah, it's so real. Like for all oh, of us, like, colitis? like I can help you. And totally. I, I know that yeah. I was helping people. It's not like I was falsely like giving people bad information or, but not. there's yeah. a different level now of, I hadn't had it for so long that I think I forgot how bad the suffering was. Yeah. And it's just reminding me, um, of just to, to tread a little bit lighter around people's experience and and um just be a more loving human i would say which is always good you know yeah like that's like you can't really go wrong uh with that gesture that is for sure you know one of the things that um going back something nani leah said to me when when that was happened you know when she was basically when i was describing like what you're describing at that stage when i was like 27 she's like i'm excited for you and i remember being like what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Like, what do you mean? You. What do you mean you're excited <laughs> for me? Like, cause I'm not excited at all right now. So what do you mean you're yeah. excited for me? And she's like, she's like, no, there's huge. She's like, this is like a hugely, there's so much potential for transformation here. Like, she's like, you're sitting on this, you're just digesting right now. She's like, but when you like resolve this and this gets, you know, solidified and things like get back online, she's like, she's like, just watch. She's like, there's, there's so much potential. And she was also, she's like, you also need support and you also need to be of the mind to like want to move forward. She's like, which you are. She's like, so that's why I'm excited. She's like, if you weren't and you were just drinking yourself into oblivion, she's like, I'd be concerned. She's like, but you know, she's like, I'm excited for you. So I would say, yeah, I mean, given where you are, like there's a certain level of excitement that I have for you, Mm. but I also acknowledge fully how rough it is too to be in these spots. Like, yeah, it's rough. I mean, they're just not, it's not fun, but I think there's tremendous um, merit that comes out of these processes. And like you said, you'll be more compassionate. I mean, you're going to be way more attentive to your clients. Um, probably be more attentive to yourself too, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is always, yeah. which is always good. Like we always have to, if you're going to navigate, especially I think if you're in um, a field like this, like Ayurveda or Chinese medicine, where you're always, the caretaker is always giving to people. It's a, it's a good reset button to kind of be like, okay, I got to come back and, you know, nourish Brit. I gotta, I gotta give back. Yeah and you know mm-hmm. feed those feed those roots yeah you know one other thing that just came to mind and then i don't know if we're how we're doing on time but yeah, there's no, um this is like a natural natural organic wind down it's really good okay. yeah it's great, great. yeah <laughs> so my friend actually yesterday uh, we were sitting we were sitting at we're having a picnic which i could barely eat anything but that's a t- story for another time yeah. <laughs> i'm kidding but we we were I was at the picnic, let's just say that. Yeah. And um and I was talking to her about like my experience right now and she's like, "Well, I'm going to actually go ahead and quote you right now." It's something that you said to me oh, a wow. while back that's really helped me and I was like, "Okay." Yeah, she's this like, is the first, right? She's like, "You told me that when a snake skin is shedding, you can't pull the snake skin off. It has to just shed." Yeah when it's time to shed and it's painful, but it will shed when it's time. And, 
And that's, you know, I keep when I pull the, I have these, this animal spirit deck and I always pull the snake card. The, I mean, I've pulled it so many times in the past. I pulled it that day. I did that ceremony with the women. Oh, wow. um, and I just, it keeps coming up again and again. And that's what it, that's what the, the medicine is here is um not to project and be like i'm gonna be a more compassionate healer <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. i mean i think that will naturally happen, happen. yeah but I um i think that the key the key here is just like ultimate surrender and ultimate trust yep and like you know it's nice to talk with someone like you who has been through yeah some hard shit yeah and who can um you know, hold, who can actually like hold space for there to be suffering. Yeah. Because for so many people, that's just hard for them to navigate. And that's why they want to help and fix and heal and for sure. tweak. Um, but for us to just say like, yeah, it sucks right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's super. (laughs) That's killing. Yeah. Yeah, It's rough right now. Yeah. Cause I, I had, I mean, it's really cool to see the echo, right. And the reflection of like what you're talking about. Cause I'm like, God, I can relate so completely. And I had friends at the time, you know, who were trying to like help me. Um, I remember when I was going through like like that breakup and the death of my dad, there are different, different deaths, right. In my life, metaphoric and some real, but people saying, you know, my dad died. They were just like, you know, just cheer up, you know, just think of the positive things. And I'm like, fuck, so not the thing I need to hear right now. Yeah. And then I had, you know, I had guy friends who were like, just get a new girlfriend, you know, just go out. And I remember being like, yeah, maybe at some point, but it was just those things, which, which were like words of encouragement. I was like, God, it's just so not what I need to hear right now, but people are doing the best with what they've got. Right. Yeah. Like they're trying to help. And, um, but yeah, Brene Brown. Brene Brown is a really, sorry to interrupt you. She's the power of vulnerability lady, right? Yes. Yes. I saw her Ted talk. Oh my God. And she has a wonderful little YouTube video, which we should link to this, which is uh, empathy versus sympathy. Have you seen it with the bears and the bear falls in the hole? No, I have not seen that. Everyone who is alive and human should should watch watch this little 10 minute video, five minute video. It's Amazing. I think my roommate just got home, which yeah. means Yeah, we should we should wrap up. <laughs> we well, should wrap up. This was an amazing conversation. Um yes. I've really enjoyed just talking to you and you sharing what you're going through. And and the Ayurveda and the context of just you, your life. It's really cool. I appreciate it so completely. So um just for this last little bit though, just so people if they want to follow yes. you, can we can I give you your what's your Facebook, your Instagram, yes. your social media? What's all that so we can share that with people? Yes. So, um, Facebook, if you just look up daily Ayurveda, I should pop up. Okay. Got like a bunch of followers on there somehow, which I don't know how that happened, but it's great. Um, and then I have Instagram is daily Ayurveda. Okay. Just at daily Ayurveda. And then, um, A Y U R V E D A in case people are listening and they don't want to, they don't know. A Y U R. And then, um, um, what else? Website. Website, dailyayurveda.com. Super easy. Okay, so it's daily. www.dailyayurveda.com. <laughs> the art of living. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it. It's a good, it's a good plug. <laughs> I do voiceover work on the side, hence the little word. Like, that's that's good for where you. that comes from. <laughs> um, but I, I'm, that's not my real plug for it. Daily Ayurveda has great recipes. Yes. Uh, I've been to your wanna, site. Yeah. If you want to like, talk to me. I have free 15 minute consultations. I'm happy to 
connect with anyone who's interested in, you know, seeing what, how Ayurveda could help them for sure. Um, I love, I love, um, teaching, I teach painting classes too, which is not connected to this, but you'll, you can see, um, I do intuitive painting intuitively is my other, if you want to just come and have dinner and paint, that's that's my other little, that's awesome. uh, Outlet. (laughs) Very cool. Well, Britt, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. You're amazing. And, um, I look forward to talking with you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Brett. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye.